The Wiggly Podcast, bringing your garden to life. Hello, listener. And uh, you, you won't, uh, won't recognise my voice uh, because it's been so long since I've been away from the Wiggly Couch. In fact, weeks and weeks and weeks. I can't remember the last time I was sat here. Uh, you may well have heard my dulcet tones in the last couple of weeks from our, uh, our gig that Terry and I did together. I hope you enjoyed that. Heather was supposed to introduce this morning's show, but she's had to scuttle off to take one of her son's friends to Lord knows where, Phil. Well, back home, uh, double booked, I think, is oh, yeah. the uh, technical <laughs> term for this morning, Rich. <laughs> I've cocked up, she said, and off she scuttled, so that's a shame. But uh, anyway, we've, we've got the pleasure of Farmer Phil and young Rachel Harries, who's actually not that young. And, and, and <laughs> but, but not, as old, not as old as the other Rachel, as she said to someone on the phone. Right, not, not as old as the other Rachel. That's no, not no. saying much, though, is it? <laughs> so, how are you both, anyway? Plenty on. Plenty on, yeah, yeah, good. And then, Rachel? I'm very well, very yes. well. Now, what's this delightful thing you brought into the Wiggly Lounge today, Rachel? I bought an apple peeler and cora, which is a fantastic device that I've seen people use but haven't yet used myself. So we've been fiddling around with screws and locks to find out whether or not when we turn this handle, this beautiful apple that I picked at the weekend will be successfully cored and peeled. Okay, so is this a bit like uh, sales radio now? Are we we sort of delving into, into sort of, uh, what's one of those, ch- what are those channels called on the TV? The shopping channel. Shopping channel. Yes. In, <laughs> fairness, radio, so in fairness, Rich, you've got a, this, this device that Rachel has got in front of it, Looks like something that Heath Robinson, or in my youth, I don't know. Do you ever read books about Professor Brainstorm? He used to invent things as well. Uh, I, no, I was more into travelling books. I it mean. is a, a contraption, is the best word for it. Absolutely, a bit chitty chitty bang bang in the it kitchen is, world. It? Nice colour. Lovely green. <laughs> nice color. That sort of hammerite green, you know, is uh, <clears throat> traditional kitchen green. Is quite nice. I also yeah. think that it's got a, a suction pad on the bottom, a device for fixing it to the table. So obviously, it's intent on some fairly robust action. Yeah. I'd say. What's inspired you to bring that along today, Rachel? Well. I saw one, somebody using one on the telly the other day, mm-hmm. and it was the other Rachel in the office was saying, "How oh, look at that, isn't that wonderful? And I don't think she realised, either she didn't realise or her husband didn't realise that we actually sell them. Right. And that's, he that's thought they were fantastic. Appalling. She should be shown of herself, that's a fishbowl so, thing to do. <laughs> and one of the benefits of working here is that when you see these interesting things in the catalogue, you hopefully get a chance to try them out. Mm. So have you tried like it? Have you tried it yet? Is no, it? I've just yeah. taken it out of the box okay. and Monty <laughs> was trying to help me fix it. Okay, so this could go one of two ways. Phil's had his Leatherman out and fiddling with screws and things, so shall I, shall I turn go, the handle go for it, and let's see what happens? Yeah, that's so now that the apple is making its way towards the peel. Oh my goodness, really there's cool. all sorts of things happening there. There's that a long have... trace of peel coming off it, and at the bottom end, there's a bit disappearing into the middle of it, which I think is designed to core it. That's really good. So the peel is just whipping off from the outside. And what's happening? Where's it's the. It's cutting uh... the whole apple, the edible bit, into a big spiral, isn't it? And it it's is. No, leave... no, no, no. I mean, it's taken. I think it's like those competitions, you know, where you try and peel an apple and just get one 
long spiral of peel and we've got a peel now which so is almost as tall as you it is about a meter and a half long <laughs> <laughs> so the, the edible bit of the apple yeah. has now been cut into a spiral it's like a slinky well it is an organic apple so ideally we shouldn't have peeled it should we we should have eaten it whole because all the nutrients are in the middle Oh, um. <laughs> oh on the outside, well, this is the core possible. is supposed to come out. At no, some well, point. what you got now, look. look so the, the core is separate okay. in the Lordy middle, Lord. like that. Look at that. And it's cut and the, the apple, apple into a slinky. Wow. Wow. That's tidy. Like that. Is that what? not just a jolly job? I think that's fantastic. <laughs> it's yes. really cool. So you've made an <laughs> apple spring. In effect. So now we you have can got taste an apple it. Apple spiral. I know what these apples taste like. They taste lovely. But do you know that would be really good. Possibly, if you wanted to dry the apple rings, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you could, could dry do all it. sorts of things with that. Yeah, stick apple them straight spiral. in the apple pie like Let's that. Let's have a bite. This is a princess. Shall I feed, feed the animal over there? Yeah, Here, it's, 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 cops over there. your hands, Phil. I mean, you've just. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been anywhere too bad. Your fingers have been this morning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm You picked these the other day, didn't you? Yeah, I went. I went out apple picking. Well, I tell you what, the sweetness of that. That is a slow matured English apple, and there is no to beat it. This is a windfall as well. I picked about, well, when I say I picked, I did pick some of them from the tree up a ladder with this amazing apple picker's basket, which actually is made out of metal. Obviously, it would have been nicer if it was like hand woven wicker, but it wasn't. It was made of metal with this sort of vinyl tube that went underneath and then tucked up, straps over my shoulder, up this ladder, picking these apples. And plonking them into this basket. It was mm-hmm. great fun. Great fun. Fantastic. You took the little M audio, didn't you, to do a little, to get some sound bites? To I them. did, yes. I was at a farm in Tillington, which is just north of Hereford, with a friend of mine called Frank Hemming, who's a bit of a, a tree expert. And he's been looking after and working on this orchard, which is a really ancient orchard for about 10 years now. I went and met up with him and learnt all about the apples. Very good. Yes, and I've got a selection of apples that were in different bags with labels saying these are the ones to eat now and these are the ones to keep. Fantastic. So let's have a listen to what your friend Frank has to say for himself. Bramley's fallen over there. That's fell over years ago and it's still fruiting, isn't it? Mmm. So tell me how you happened upon this orchard. When did you start well, growing things Well, because I was living just down the road and I got to talk to the people who lived here. As old Mrs. Palmer used to live here, but she's died. And she was very interested in the apples. She knew I was interested in apples, but old Mrs. Palmer didn't want anything to change, so she didn't want anything done with the orchard. So gradually the trees fell down. There were gaps everywhere. Mm. And then when Mary started managing it, she said, well, let's get some trees in. And that was about ten years ago at least. And so, so far we've done about 70 trees, something like that. So some of these trees, I mean, this one here, it looks really old. Yeah, well, that fell down. I'm not sure if that's fallen down since I've been here. It might have done. But they just keep growing. They keep <laughs> producing. Like, what there? Well, there's loads more to pick on that one. I haven't seen that. I've got to move that tower around a bit, because look at all those ones. Yeah. I think I'll go up another stage, actually, and get some more. So what are they, Frank? That's Blenheim. Blenheim. Blenheim orange, which oh. is a really nice apple. I mean, a lot of people say... Uh, Older people say, oh, we always used to have a Blenheim at Christmas. We weren't allowed to eat it until Christmas Day. <laughs> but I found they go a bit woolly then. But then again, mm. I could have been storing them in too warmer. Or the climate might be different. <laughs> this is um, 
Dumelo seedling. I didn't know what it was for a long time, but it's uh, very late and very hard. In fact, so hard that you can pick the windfalls up if they haven't been eaten like that and store them, and they'll probably keep. I mean, if you wanted to have some cooking apples, you could just get some windfalls off this and they'd, they'd keep. Is it grown from a seed, then? Is that why it's called um, a seedling? No, well, no. Every new variety comes from a seed. So once you've got something grown from a seed and you find that it's a good one, then you propagate it by grafting. Yeah. I think I might just get round and pick some of these. So they all seem to be old varieties here? Mostly. I have planted a few, like Sunset, because I thought it was such a nice apple. It was worth planting and and the other one was kids orange red which is actually a fairly modern although in when you say modern i mean you're talking about between the first world war and the second world mm. war so you're not talking about <laughs> the last 10 years or something yeah. but most of them are yes we have replanted old and it, it's sort of saving old varieties one of these i'm not quite sure which is the credden hill pippin which we thought was lost and it's mentioned credden hill pippin was mentioned in a book from 1940 or so people hadn't seen it for a long time but somebody in the March Apple Network has come across it and propagated it and we got it wow <laughs> so this tell me about this this huge oh, this is a court, which is a very nice tasting cooking apple they make very well on a young tree you'll get bigger apples than this but even so quite a lot of them are quite big and they're nicely coloured they're beautiful they're so deep red with yeah. sort of stripes on them aren't yeah. they the funny thing is if they haven't had the sun on they can be completely green ah. I mean like well that's yeah. the back side of one but you'll see if you take them I've the trouble with identifying apples and if somebody picks up one of these and takes it to be identified you'd never associate it with one of the red ones mm. you know. there was one of these at Berg Hill blew over in the 90s mm-hmm. this is the only remaining mature tree although it's been propagated and there's young ones coming on around now so it's not lost and do you know how many how many trees there are of, of this variety this is the only one a mature one yeah but I don't know because you can buy them from Paul Jasper probably I know somebody at West Hope he's got a I planted one of these trees for him and it's fruiting now, so I know he's got one. Um, the trouble is, I got one and I thought was supposed to be this variety. It turned out to be a Blenheim. So <laughs> that's a bit of a shame. And I haven't managed to plant another one on this side because the two I planted, I propagated off the one I thought was Tillington and they turned out to be Blenheims as well, so I've now mm. got more Blenheims and not any and more no of Tillingtons. these. Um, so one day... Get this right and plant some more of them. Look at them up there. Amazing clusters of bright red apples, aren't they? Yeah. It's going to be, you know, what's going to happen to them? Well, the birds will have them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, they make a very nice crumble. Mm. (laughs) I must that crumble we had the other night was half these and half. Another apple, which is Queen, which is an old tree over there, but that's finished now. And so has this tree fallen down completely? Because oh, the trunk's yeah, just yeah. lying flat on the ground yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Well, not ages ago. That's happened in the last five years ago, I think. And then it just carries on growing? Yeah. This one is um, Cox's Pomona, which is Mr Cox's other apple. Ah. It's Mr Cox. He bred Cox's orange pippin. 
also bred this, which is totally different to Cox's Orange Pippin. But yeah, that's one. Yes, that's one. It's going over a bit it's now. Beautiful. It, um, I'm just going to end up with all these handfuls of red apples <laughs> and not know which is which. Yeah. I didn't know what this was for a long time. Look at them on the ground. Mm. This is Brown's apple, which is just prolific. And it's sort of actually not bad as it, if you eat it, but it's basically supposed to be a cider apple. It's quite big for a cider apple. Mm-hmm. Maybe that can make some cider out of them. You were saying there's a lot more orchards with cider apples rather than... In Herefordshire? Diff- um, yeah, there'll be more cider apples and certainly all the new orchards are being planted as cider. Mm. Should we pick some more? Can I put the basket well, the on again, is, or are we done? Do you want to... Um, we could go in the other orchard. They're these King of the Pippins thing. Well, there's some over there, actually. You can taste one and see what you think. Because okay. as an apple, um, to eat now or in the next month, the windfalls will be fine because they'll, they're pretty hard. They'll keep for a few weeks. And um, you could just scoop up a pile of windfalls, and that'll keep you going until your other ones sort of mature. Okay. Um, but if we just go under this tree over here, the further tree beyond the blending. Ah, and so what are these? They call them Princess Pippin. There's some debate about it. It's King of the Pippins officially, but then again, Princess Pippin might be subtly different from King of the Pippins, so I'm not quite sure about that. What do you make of the taste? It's lovely. Oh, quite subtle, isn't it? Yeah, what word would you use? It's like wine tasting this, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think nutty actually is quite oh. a good word. And it's used in the book as a description that bitterness. I was going to say slightly lemony. Mm. There's a bit of uh, a sort of tannin y sort of cidery taste in the background. They have been used to make, apparently, makes a very good cider, but it's far too good for cider. They're amazingly crunchy considering mm. I've just picked this off the ground and bitten into yeah. it. Yeah. And these are good for eating now. By the next month so or so. Well. well, actually, they'll keep through November. They will keep further, but the trouble is, when you eat them in December, they, they've lost that interesting taste. Mm. So they're really, they're rather disappointing then. So for the next month, they're fine. Now, some of the ones I've picked have gone sort of slimy on the skin. Not slimy, but there's a... Greasy. Yeah, greasy, yeah. that's the word. It's just the nature of the apple, really. And some are greasy to start with. Family's a bit greasy, but it doesn't stop it. In fact, it might, might help it keeping, actually, that greasiness. Anyway, do you want right. to pick some of those? Yeah, I'm going to try, finish eating this apple and pick some, pick some off the ground. Well, Rich has said that I'm to say nice one, Frank, for that. But anyway, it was a nice one, Frank, so thank you for that. That's great. I think it's worth saying that local apples are one of the healthiest things that you can eat because imported apples, because they've come some time and distance since they were picked, they have to have quite a lot of chemicals put on them to stop them going over right. Right. And some of those chemicals are not very nice. Ah. So that I know you, Rich, are, are very fond of scrumping apples and so on, and yes. I couldn't possibly condone that approach to local apples. Yeah, yeah. But you, might, you might notice, actually, Phil, I had a, had a group over from the Blind College yesterday, and you might notice that uh, having taken the group through the garden, there's not a single apple left on any of the trees in the garden. <laughs> oh, no! There's a guy there at the walls. Like, well, here you go, try these little beauties. So they were able to scoff beautiful Herefordshire apples straight off the tree. And, of course, they're as sweet as anything when they come off the tree. They are. They're a bit, bit hard sometimes. You have to. It depends on, on your taste. I was always brought up that you get the bellyache from eating apples too fresh off the tree. Yeah, but I yeah. think that was really as a means of stopping me gutsing them off the tree. But, anyway, fresh local apples, fantastic. And Herefordshire, of course, 
cider fruit, now is the time of the picking of the cider fruit. Yep. And so not only are our roads clogged up with potato trailers, they're clogged up with cider apples on their way to the new pressing plant at Ledbury, yeah, which yeah. goes to make Bulmer's cider, amongst other things. Yeah. And so, uh, as Rachel's just pointed out, Herefordshire is in a haze of apple juice and yeah. general aroma of cider making. So it is, and, and I think over recent years, because we've suffered, Herefordshire suffered badly from the grubbing up of our old ancient apple orchards, which are probably one of a fairly unique ecosystem all to themselves. You know, you've got all sorts of wonderful beetles, roast chaffer beetles, and the like. And because of this recent sort of resurgence in, in cider drinking off the back of those Magnus adverts, you know, on, on, <laughs> on the telly. We've um, had lots of little orchards being reintroduced. Of course, the irony there is that the Magnus tastes absolutely disgusting, and it's made in Herefordshire, which a lot of people don't realize that really? it's not made in. Uh, yeah, well, they certainly trade the, the apple concentrate moves around all over the place. Yeah, I know. The, the, um, but the interesting thing about but that is that Magnus, I mean, that's obviously helped massively in terms of uh, selling cider and getting, getting people back to, uh, to cider drinking, which of course is a wonderful thing to do. But, um, I mean, there are some beautiful ciders that Herefordshire produces. Absolutely, and I was just going to say, <coughs> local ciders, I mean, obviously there are some people, and in the village here we've been known to, we have the wherewithal to make a drop of cider, mm-hmm. and yeah, have yeah. been known in the past. It is fairly harsh stuff. I think probably mm. the uh, technique needs a bit of refining. But there are a number of local cider makers, certainly here in Herefordshire, Somerset, there are a plethora of them. And some of the ciders they produce are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, we've got the Guatkins just down the road, Westerns, yeah, he makes slightly bigger, and they make some yeah, good Can I make a Perry nice plug as well here? Because all this talk of apples... Absolutely, grossly underestimated. Perry it's is fantastic. fantastic. It is. It's very Because clean. you're probably old enough to remember baby sham rates, so that's probably I the problem there, am. isn't it? Yes. And does, I don't know whether the listener actually knows that baby sham, the name baby sham comes from Perry juice, and is so called because the bottles were shaped like a champagne bottle and the name comes from Baby Champagne because 100 years ago when Perry had its sort of height, its fame Good it Lord. was regarded you're, you're as an alternative to you're champagne. You're a mine of information. I well, love it. Under- the the nights fly by in your eyes. <laughs> as I understood it, Rich, Baby Sham was the drink of choice of the young ladies of the 70s. And uh, it used to have a fairly dis- disastrous effect on them. Effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what they say now? They say that Perry goes, what is it, round like thunder and out like lightning. Right. Which relates to the fact that it has a very strong laxative effect yeah, because yeah, it sure. contains enormous amounts of sorbitol, right. a natural sugar, which is also a laxative. There you are. Some more, more, more interesting. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that from Wikipedia. I got that from a Perry maker. Oh, well done. Perhaps you ought to drink it in a little more moderation. (laughs) Yeah, I've not found the problem myself. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, speaking of things that, uh, that uh, have a propensity to make you trump, uh, I brought in some Salsify today. The first year I've grown it, in fact, and I was given some seed at the beginning of the year. My mum gave me some seed, said, here, I'll try, try some of this. Probably just purely because she didn't want it, but I had it anyway. The seed is, is I tell you what, it looks a bit like slightly distorted, elongated ryegrass seed. Oh, yeah. So, what is it? In the ground. I mean, it's a, it is a root. So it is a root. I've got it. It's, the, oddly, the foliage on the top looks like... Onions. The daffodil the foliage, I thought. 
possibly. Big long foliage, lots of a big green mass of uh, elongated leaves. And the root is a hairy sucker, a multitude. In fact, if that was a parsnip or a carrot, you'd be very disappointed because you'd think, well, it'd just... You wouldn't want the job of peeling that, would you? Crazy. Well, shearing it would well, probably be more well, appropriate. Well, in, over the last couple of nights, because we, we only pulled, uh, we pulled them for the first time on Sunday, to have them for Sunday dinner, and um, they go black straight away. When you peel them, they go they black almost immediately. Uh, now, I know we've mentioned in the catalogue that you can boil them, but... I've, no, I've not boiled them yet and over the last couple of nights what we've done is I've just snapped off all the rootlets and peeled them and then put them in butter and deep fried them and I'm not kidding you it's a taste sensation and the reason we've had them the last couple of nights because the first night they were so nice that Sarah decided to do the same thing again so there we were last night in front of the telly with our little pots of sauces and our little uh, deep fried salsified dipping them into this hot chilli sauce and stuff and it was absolutely gorgeous and people say, I mean, I'd heard that they taste a little bit like oysters, but I've had nothing like that from eating them. I, I, don't, I can't detect any hint of oyster flavour whatsoever, but it, it is similar to asparagus. It's, I mean, if I was going to compare it with anything, I'd say it was a little bit like asparagus. So um, beautiful. But they are hairy suckers, aren't they? And they do, uh, I mean, you've got a whole multitude of roots there. <laughs> and they grow really well, so well worth doing. And um, we're selling those this year, you know. Mm. Uh, they're going into the new Wiggly catalogue, Salsify, amongst the whole selection of, uh, of other seed. And there was a gentleman um, who is a friend of Pippa, who supplies our seed at the moment, called John Morrell. He's written a great book called Something Different to Eat. And in that book, he talks about different types of vegetables, tasty little vegetables that you wouldn't necessarily see on the, on the, on the shelves in Tesco. Things that have slightly, I mean, there's things that have disappeared off, the, off most people's menus. And uh, we've got a, a new selection of seed to accompany uh, that book. So, yeah, interesting little Christmas present, I think. Presumably that's really easy to grow, I Piece would imagine. Cake. Yeah, well, it's, well, this year I've not, uh, all I've done is um, I, pl- I planted the seed in exactly the same way as I would uh, carrot seed, just sprinkle them into uh, little shallow trenches, shallow rows. But because we've had a, a, a very wet summer, again, it's been fantastic for roots. I mean, sweet corn, a complete disaster, but the roots are amazing. And yeah, I'm not allowed to do anything at all. In fact, I think I watered the garden once this year. I've watered the, the runner beans once. But these guys have, have done really well, um, left to their own devices. So for those adventurous minds out there, this is a, an ideal little vegetable to, to try, amongst other things. Along with the scores on error. Scores on error, yeah, or, or score, scores honour, as you, uh-huh. as you, as you <laughs> well, I don't, keep mooting. I've heard it called different ones. I don't know how you say it. Ridiculous. All I like are blue potatoes. They're fantastic. <laughs> Just a job, and you can't buy those in Tesco's, you know. Do, I know, do you know somebody who bought them in Waitrose? Do they? Mm. Not very often, though. No, no, no. I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm sure they weren't as good as the ones that you grew. I also think it's really relevant that, you know, to get youngsters involved in gardening, what better thing than to say, go and dig that up and come up with a blue potato or a bright red potato or something, or to use the apple core? I, I think that... You know, how often do you have kids who won't eat this or won't eat that? If you can get them involved in producing it, that's half the thing. And, I mean, if you set a kid to peel that thing you've got in front of you there, Rich, he'd still be there about three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that, that apple corer would struggle with that thing. That's a <laughs> sure fact. It's, uh, I'm not sure what it is. It's like the octopus of the vegetable world. Yeah, but it's funny, you know, you're, you're talking about potatoes because Lucy Carroll, I've had an email from Lucy this morning to say that she's in the air and she wants to come up to talk potatoes tomorrow. So uh, see what she's got uh, in mind. She might have new varieties for us for next year. We shall see. And it's important to keep these heritage varieties going. It is. Because as we've had the discussion about pigs, these varieties have 
genetic strains within them that, who knows, credit crunch allowing, we might actually want some of their features at some point later on. And if we lose them, you know, they might not be the highest yielding, but my God, they taste good. Well, credit crunch and climate change altogether, isn't it? I mean, perhaps the things that we're growing now, we won't be able to grow in however many years' time. So these varieties that we've grown in the past may become so much more valuable and we don't want to lose them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, potatoes are a classic example of uh, you know Maris Piper being the, the most popular potato, but it's the most environmentally degradating specimen that there that there is. Whereas uh, some of those old heritage varieties, you know, they might look a bit more gnarly, but the fact remains that you will get roots even in dry seasons. Whereas with the you know the old Maris Piper that the supermarkets enjoy selling to people in abundance, it might well be unachievable to grow. And the Irish potato famine was due to the fact that they narrowed down the amount of potatoes that they were growing and one of them got struck by blight or whatever it was and they all got wiped out. That's what happens when you just specialise too much. Excellent. So there you are. <laughs> so on that note, on that note, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it a day. So it's bye-bye from me. And goodbye from me. And it's bye from me. Excellent.